Welcome to the Bears, Birds, and Brews podcast. This is a show about the Chicago Bears, the Atlanta Falcons, and beer. My name is Asif Lakani. My co-host is... Nabil Alani. And on today's episode, we are missing a third person. We're missing Nader, but he's out of town on business. He'll be back soon, which is not super important. I'm just kidding. We love you, <laughs> Nader. We miss you very much. We've got some good stuff here today. Um, speaking of what we've got here today, on today's episode, we're talking a little bit of baseball, a little bit of basketball, and some football, uh, which is what you came here for, and... Beer. We are talking beer. What are we drinking today, Neville? Uh Thanks to you, uh, Bitch Beer Podcast, and most importantly, thanks to Terrapin. We are going to try two different Terrapin beers. One is a um, Pilsner. Yeah, it's a Soundcheck Pilsner, and then the other is a Hop and Bubbly... Um, I guess you'd call it an IPA. Okay, so we do have an IPA. All right, sweet. So, so we have two different things right here. Uh, yeah, so this is the Soundcheck Pilsner is what we're pouring first. And while Nabil pours these out of this crowler, um, I'll tell you all a little bit about how these beers were acquired. So as Nabil mentioned, um, shout out to Bitch Beer Podcast, uh, Caroline, Ashley, and Ben. Uh, I took a road trip with them up to Athens. You may have remember on the end of the last episode, I went up to Athens last week. Um, to hang out with Bitch Beer as they recorded with Creature Comforts and Terrapin. And that was a super great time. Shout out to everybody in Athens for showing us a good time. Um, and so I decided to bring back a little something from our visit. And right now what we're drinking is a Soundcheck Pilsner from Terrapin, which one of the girls during the interview with Bitch Beer podcast, the Terrapin episode, really talked about this beer, said she loved it a lot. And I didn't get to have it up there, but I decided, hey, you know what? I got to try it. So here we go. Wow. That, that's um, that's very drinkable. Like, um, I could probably kill that entire crowler myself. This is like a like a beer you can drink all day or, you know, a grass-cutting beer, as some people describe it as. Uh, yeah, this is really Yeah, the ABV on that looks like 5.2, so 5.2. it's right over that sessionable threshold. Yeah, but um, um, still at the same time, I, I think, like, this is something – it's not very heavy at all. It's something that um, – yeah, and yeah. when I say slight over that threshold, that threshold, it's like you could justify yeah, making I, I, a session, but which I mean, the yeah, just yeah. did a case for. It. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a line, but you can you know jump over. It's 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 your own line, whatever you think you can session. But yeah, this is very um very drinkable. Um, super light, light super yeah, drinkable. super light. Yeah, I can see why she was so high on this one, just because. Um, I like that it, you know it's light. It, the flavor profile to me is really balanced. And it's broad in the sense of like, I think what we have here, it says it's got German hops in yeah. it, uh, which is super cool to, to, you know, like for us to be able to experience that. Um, and, and, um, and just for our listeners, um, it's sound Czech, but it's like Czech, like the Czech Republic. So it's not sound Czech, C-H-E-C-K. It's Czech, C-Z-E-C-H. Hence the German hops. Right. So the Czech as czech and german hops so this does taste like a um especially when i was in germany like a german style beer where you know it's light you can be drinking a lot of it and full of more flavor than you would expect with a lighter beer like yeah totally uh, there is a lot of flavor in this beer honestly if you didn't tell me this was a pilsner i wouldn't have guessed that Mm -hmm. it's you know and but that's one thing terrapin is known for is their hops and their beers yeah uh anyway so we're gonna keep sipping this and then we've got another really good one coming up later um, but first things first, Nabil, what are we talking about first? So yesterday was a very important part of the MLB season. It was the MLB draft. And it's really important this year 
because um, this year there are very there are two key free agents that every team, all 32 teams just about, were waiting for the draft before they started checking in with these two key free agents, uh, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Krimble, Kimbrell, I can never say his name. But let's first start with our respective team's um, draft picks. Um, the Braves actually had two first-round picks um, due to uh, last year's um, their number, I think it was like a top-five pick that they couldn't sign. He actually signed in Japan, nice. which is actually like um, a whole new different thing that we could talk about later on in a different episode. But, yeah, he's in Japan playing right now, and he was supposed to be like an amazing, amazing prospect for you guys. But, yeah, he, he's gone, and you guys got two first-round picks now. Um, one, your regular one. The other is a compensation for not being able to sign this guy. And you guys drafted a catcher out of Baylor University, uh, Shea Langlier? Yeah, I'm going to go with Langliers on Langlier, that one. Langlier, yeah. Um, and just, you know, did, did some quick research on this guy. I don't, I don't know that many high school or college of baseball players. And by that many, I mean about zero. But just some quick research. Apparently, this guy is a, um, a very good defensive catcher. So apparently he is um, defensively ready to be MLB in the MLB right now, mm -hmm. but his bat isn't there yet. So you, you may see this guy quicker than expected, especially if, um, you know, I know McCann is your backup catcher right, right. now. He probably isn't going to be there much longer. No. Um, I know your other catcher, he was a former White Sox catcher, I believe. Who's your other catcher? Oh, um, man, that's a good question. It's a former White Sox catcher, but he, I know he's doing pretty good for you guys. Yeah, the Braves are in great shape right now, but, of course, you can always beef yeah. that up. And I would say if there was one weak spot – in that nine-person rotation on the Braves, it's got to be the catcher. And um, and and this guy, like, he's not going to be like an amazing hitter, but you know, defensively, he's going to get your staff and uh, staff set up. He is going to be able to throw out um, throw out base runners, and um, he may actually, you know, be a decent bat. Maybe able to get around 20 home runs a season. That's what the research I did said. Again, you know, do your own research, see what you think about this specific player. But yeah, he, he's someone in y'all's um, that y'all y'all drafted top 10. So defensively, he's probably going to be there. And then um, with the 21st pick, you all took um, Braden Shoemake. Yeah, let's go with Shoemake. Uh, I don't know, from uh, Texas A&M. So you guys are just picking Texas players, which isn't a bad thing for baseball players because football is number one in Texas, but number two is probably baseball. And um, this guy is a shortstop by trade, but supposedly he's going to be used all over the field, mm -hmm. similar to uh, Ben Zobert, so the Cubs use him. You know, yeah. some at short, some at second, some at left, right, some at third. So he's going to be the Swiss Army knife for you guys' team in a couple of years. Um, not a not an amazing bat, but someone who could be, um, you know, good in the rotation. Well, this was the, what you call a utility player. Yeah, definitely. And uh, when I read your profile on this guy, I thought of Martin Prado. Yeah, de definitely, which is, definitely, definitely. Which is a guy that the Braves had and put him in all different positions, and he thrived any pretty much anywhere you put him. Right. Uh, another name, Mark DeRosa. Like, there's a lot of those utility type of players that uh, that a playoff team and a World Series right. team definitely needs, just yeah. because you don't know who's going to go down where. Right, and those are guys who make plays. You know, like when you least expect it. Right. Whether it's a great catch or right. driving in a run, whatever. And, and, and these guys aren't going to be your, you know, your number three hitter, but they'll be there, you know, hitting number six, seven, and they're, they're going to be your key players for the for you know, your playoff runs. Um, the, the other players that, um, for, well, the, um, the other player the Cubs drafted, actually, was uh, Ryan Jensen. Now, um, the only reason I'm rigging him up right now, you know, we took him with the 27th pick, but... This guy has a laser arm, apparently, just a rocket arm. He throws in the high 90s, to even, even it's the hundreds of times. And um, the Cubs are in need of a bullpen bullpen pitcher. And this guy may be the answer. Uh, we may not 
go sign K. Krimble. We may not go trade for a pitcher, but it might just be this guy that we call up in the later half of the season, and he'll be our pitcher going forward. He'll be maybe our closer, maybe uh, similar to what the White Sox did with Chris Sale. Um, it know, man, it, it'd be great to but, have another one of those. Right, right. But well, not not Chris Sale, Chris Sale. I mean, like what the White Sox did with Chris Sale in 2010, where they drafted him and they brought him up the same year, mm-hmm. and he was their essentially their long bullpen player. Right. And um, now, if he can turn into Chris Sale, Chris Sale, that'd be amazing. But I'm not gonna hope about that. Chris yeah. Sale was a top 15 pick. Well, this question guy's for you is: with these guys all being first round picks, mm-hmm. how? effective are first round picks supposed to be in the MLB and when are they supposed to really showcase that talent on a major league level? So it depends where you're drafted. MLB draft is like the, is one of the weirdest things. Um, it's mm-hmm. a 40 round draft, right? 40 rounds. Like why do you need 40 rounds? Um, but yeah, it's a 40 round draft. The first round pick, um, I don't know. Like I would NFL first round picks are 50, 50. I would say MLB is about 30, 70, 30 being success, 70 being mm-hmm. bust rate. And it's it's mainly because you have to go through the minor leagues. Right. You have to go through four different leagues before you even make it to the majors. And if you don't go through those four leagues within three years, you're probably a bust. And three years is like the maximum before people think that. You know, in, in Moneyball, they said, hey, if you're if you're a prospect that's 25 years old, you're done. You're, you're not gonna. You're, you're not someone that people expect to make it. Mm-hmm. And maybe one percent of the one percent who our prospects that are over 25 years old actually make it to like genuine status in, in baseball. Yeah. And um, cool. just wanted to throw out another, um, just because we are a Chicago and a Atlanta based uh, podcast, the White Sox actually had a very interesting pick. Um, Andrew Vong. He fr- he's from a university of California and, and this guy uh, was apparently the best bat in the draft. Um, some people, Jeff Passan from um, ESPN, uh, formerly Yahoo Sports, is saying he might be the best bat in the in a draft since Chris Bryant. So, wow, that's yeah. pretty, yeah. So, cool. so, and especially because the White Sox still have one of the top um, farm farm uh, farm systems in right, the league. That's exactly what it I was about be, to say. It could be a huge thing for the White Sox. Like, like they could be the team in the next two or three years. And this guy plays first base too. I don't know if you mentioned that, but obviously that's yeah. a key key position he, for any baseball. Well, team. The, the the one knock on this guy is that he's not very good defensively. Now he plays first, but he may be a long term DH. Mm. So he may not even be a first baseman in a couple of years. Interesting. Um, but yes, yeah, but since the draft happened, that means that um, Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell, they're both available to any any of the thirty two teams. Uh, I'm sorry, any of the thirty teams, um, without having to get a, given up uh, draft compensation. Nice. Now the la- the latest rumor is that the White that um, the Yankees and the Braves are hot on uh, Dallas Keuchel. Right. Uh, the Braves are apparently also behind Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell. So. I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. I, I know last week we were talking about it, and you were you were leaning more towards um, Kimbrel while I was saying Keiko makes more sense for the Braves. Yeah, and now that I've thought about it some more, it really just comes down to a matter of like who you can get in here the fastest, the cheapest, and and you know get the most out of. I, I right? mean, I mean, if either player signed today, they're not going to be up for three weeks. No, right. Yeah, and um, the the other thing is, even if they're up for three week in three weeks, they're going to still have to be stretched out. You know, you're dropping a play now. Hey, in October, this these pitchers will be more fresh. Than Which is the goal, right? right? Ultimately, for you know, at least for I would say for both of our teams, right? The Cubs and the Braves looking to make postseason runs this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, nice. So, is, oh, okay. And real quick, while we're on the topic of baseball, uh, real fast, I just want to mention Austin Riley. 
the Braves' newest addition. Newest phenom, actually. Right, newest phenom. There you go. Was named uh, Rookie of the Month for May of 2019. And in 17 games, he's already hit eight home runs. Which is ridiculous. Right? And 22 hits total, which is pretty good. And then a 328 batting average, which I think is kind of unheard of. I mean, if he continues to do this, it will be ridiculous. Like, I, I don't even – it's unprecedented in my mind. I don't know – the last player to do something do something like this. Now I'm sure there have been other baseball players that get called up and hit the ground running and do amazing, but the way that you know he's just hitting home runs left and right, it's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. So yeah, we got to get out to a Braves game soon to see him because we've only been to one this year. At least I've only been to one, and yeah. he wasn't even up then. Yeah, I've only been to one, but I have been to I'm going to say three games together. I've you know I've been kind of traveling everywhere. Uh, I've been to Arizona. I've been to uh, Dallas. So I've been to a game in both of those. But apparently the Cubs lose every time I go to a game. So I think I should probably start going to other games. Uh, yeah. Just don't come <laughs> to the Braves games for the Braves. I mean, I'll when I go that. to a Braves game, the Braves win. So I think you want me there. All right. Well, you want case, me in that seat. Bears vs. Brews at SunTrust Park coming soon. Be on the lookout. If you got any, any suggestions or ideas, let us know. Um, all right. Next topic is I uh, think should be. Are you guys missing football yet? Oh, man. I am so missing football. I am uh, missing football, but I got, got good fo- news for you, my friend. Uh, what do you got? What do you got? Less than two months from this recording, preseason football is back. And by that, I mean the Hall of Fame game will have happened less than two months from now. There we and go. that features the Atlanta Falcons and the Denver Broncos less than two months from now. So I know you're waiting for football. I am waiting for football. You now have to wait that much longer, my friend. But we got some football nuggets for you guys. Um, unfortunately for you Falcons fans, you guys did not get Gerald McCoy. He did end up going to the Panthers. Can I can I make a complaint for a Please second? Please make a complaint. All right. I don't understand what Dan Quinn and the Falcons are doing. Now, granted, I'm, I'm sure it's a cap money issue and mm-hmm. getting this guy paid. I get that. Uh, but it seems like with every high-profile free agent, every game-changing, quote-unquote, free agent that comes up, just the Falcons just whiff on them completely. So the last one I can think of, and I'm sure you know a couple mm-hmm. more, but Eric Reed, the Falcons had to address the seat, the needed safety last year when Keanu Neal went down, mm-hmm. and they just sat on it for like six or seven weeks out of the season, pretty much blowing any chance that they had of making the playoffs mm-hmm. early on, which is when your best chance of the season is. And then he goes to a division rival in Carolina. And now we go from uh, Gerald McCoy leaving Tampa to going to Carolina again. And I I don't understand what's going on. So I completely agree with you on the Eric Reed thing. Um, I was all for the Falcons getting Eric Reed just because I thought he fit I thought he fit the need. But uh, apparently there was a lot of things for the reason why he didn't get signed. I'm, I don't know. I'm not in that building. But apparently there was a lot of things going on. But what I'm going to say about Gerald McCoy, I never thought Gerald McCoy would sign with the Falcons. Now, if Grady Jarrett wasn't on the Falcons, he would be a perfect fit for the Falcons. But Gr- Grady Jarrett already plays of Gerald McCoy's position. Mm-hmm. Why would McCoy, who's only going to get a one-year deal, go to a team where he has to share share the role with someone else which, don't get me wrong, I don't blame you for that. Although, in some schools of thought, I think you could see it as, like, you guys are both good, we'll put you both up there, and y'all can make it happen, y'all can work it out. For But you're right. I mean, my thing is, I just don't get why the Falcons don't even entertain these guys. Mm-hmm. 
Same thing with Eric Reed. They didn't even talk to Eric Reed last year. And even with Atlanta and Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keiko, like, okay, I guess, sure, yeah, you want the draft to play out and then you want to talk to him. But let's get on the phone. Let's make something happen so that way these guys have an expectation. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm sure the Falcons checked in with Gerald McCoy, and I'm sure they, they may even made an offer. Who knows? Um, we're, we're not in the building. We don't know what the Falcons did. But what I'm going to say is, Gerald McCoy going to the Panthers might be a great, might be one of the best fits. I thought he would go to the Saints. So just just being um, yeah, transparent, I thought the Saints were the, the perfect fit for him. That's what but, I was expecting. But, but looking at um, Gerald McCoy and having two elite linebackers, right? Actually, one elite linebacker. They lost um, the um, the outside linebacker from mm-hmm. Georgia. I forgot his name. Todd Thomas Davis. Thomas Davis. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, I think he's gone now. But with Luke Keekley behind him. Luke Eakley is going to probably lead the league in tackles next year just because he's going to have Kawan Short and Joe McCoy in front of him. The nose, the three technique, great, great on each side. And remember, Ron Rivera, when, um, one of Ron Rivera's best defenses was the 2006 Bears defense. Mm-hmm. And on that team, he had Tommy Harris. At the, at the time, the, mo- the best um, three technique in the league. Gerald McCoy has been an elite three technique. And I'm not saying he's the best anymore. He's up there in age. But Ron Rivera knows how to use three techniques. And he's going to – he will be – I don't know if the comeback players of the year are still a thing in the NFL, but he'll be up there in the voting for that. No, well, and that's part of – I'm happy you mentioned that because ultimately that was what I was worried about. And that's that was my concern is he is going to thrive in this system and yeah. it's going to wreak havoc for not only Atlanta but also for Tampa – because you know he's going to have a mm-hmm. chip on his shoulder. And, of course, New Orleans, because who doesn't right. want to say that they got the better of Drew Brees? Right. And so, Gerald McCoy will have a comeback season. He is going to kill that kill that backfield next year. And Luke Keekley will have a great season next year as well, as long as he stays healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because with Carolina, it really just depends on Cam Newton because the mm-hmm. rest of the pieces they have in place are already ready to go. Uh, so more on that in less than two months. Right. I do have one more NFL nugget. Um, I got a couple more. So, yeah, just oh, cool. Quick. So uh, the Packers, uh, they made some news this week. <laughs> uh, Matt LaFleur uh, tore his ACL. I mean, ACL is Achilles. So I, I don't know how that's going to impact his uh, coaching abilities. we got to get Brian on the on the phone in a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, like um, I, I don't know. Like, well, I'll <laughs> yeah, tell no, you normally what. you see head coaches going up and down the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is he going to be like in a golf cart the whole time? I, don't, I was going to say because I'll tell you, your boy Ron Hunter uh, at Georgia State tore his Achilles, <laughs> but he had the little cart and he was doing good. But hardwood uh, is different than grass or frozen yeah. turf, you know, depending on where you are. So. And, and, but, but not to mention, like, you know, here in, in basketball, yeah, the coaches are all over the place. But in NFL, like, the coaches are right up to the sideline ref every play. Just because they got to call timeouts, they got to call challenges, they got to run up and down, they got to get the attention of the refs. I don't know how that's going to impact stuff. Well, I think it may cost them a game. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting to see. I mean, granted, two or three months on the recovery like that probably isn't enough. So it will be really interesting to see how. I, play. I bet yeah. you there's going to be a very high, handsomely paid assistant on that staff this year. Um, well, the thing is, he's not. The head coach is the only one able to make those calls. Mm. Now I don't know if they're gonna have to make like a, like they'll have to petition to the league like hey he tore his Achilles we need someone else to make these timeout calls or these challenges I don't well, know yeah so that's a great point so we'll bring that up or we'll be monitoring that closely a um, couple other things I wanted to get out there was a poll on NFL.com today earlier today asked about um, which team in the NFL has the best hands or the best cast best patch pass, pass catching pass catchers yeah pass catching group 
in the NFL. And the options were Atlanta, Cleveland, Los Angeles, and Philly. And I don't know. It kind of blew my mind, but 42% of people picked Cleveland, um, which I guess, sure, you're excited about Odell and Jarvis Landry to be together. Obviously, I picked Atlanta for various reasons, but I also think genuinely Atlanta does have the best pass-catching group in the league because there's at least three solid options Um I'm actually Atlanta. a little shocked the Bears weren't even a, even an option. And to I even for. thought about yeah, the I mean Bears you got you got Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Tariq Cohen, Taylor Anthony Gabriel. Miller, Taylor Gabriel, David Montgomery. Now, I mean, we we don't have elite, but we have many options. Right. But I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. Keep no, going. but I I even thought about like El, the Bears could have been mentioned. I think Atlanta does have the best pass catching group in the NFL I mean, entirely. You, so and for some reason, I'll just add that I even thought the Cowboys could get a mention too. Um. I don't know, but but but, but but Falcons wise, like so, you, you're one of the few teams in the league that not only has a one but a one A. So exactly, and, and that's huge because having a one is so rare on its own. But having a one A takes so much pressure off the one, mm-hmm. or puts so much pressure on the one that the one A thrives. And um, I actually wrote an article. Um, for uh, skulking fantasy football, which um, I'll promote once it's up, about uh, sophomore wide receivers that are going to be um, that are fantasy options next year. Nice. Um, surprise, who number one is? We'll see what happens. But yeah, sophomore wide receivers, keep an eye out for that. So speaking of the last NFL news that I think we have is NFL.com today. Well, actually, real quick, let's talk about this beer. So we just opened the second beer from Terrapin, and this is the Hoppin' Bubbly. Hoppin' Bubbly. Uh, collab with Terrapin and Miller High Life. Um, and I'll just read this description straight from the, the website. The Hop and Bubbly Brew IPA celebrates the classic malt bill from the champagne of beers and Terrapin's affinity for IPAs. Innovative brewing and dry hopping techniques help create a beer that has a crisp, bone-dry finish and aromatic hop, hop profile. Um, what's also really cool about this beer, Hop and Bubbly from Terrapin, is it's only available in Georgia and Wisconsin. So for you beer nerds out there who like something exclusive, if you see this somewhere, make sure you pick it up because you can only get it in two states. So I think that's pretty cool. And I love this beer when I had it in the tap room at Terrapin. Um, I really, really like this beer in the bill. I'm curious to know what you think. Um, it, it, it's interesting. Like, um. This definitely doesn't taste like a regular. This doesn't taste like an IPA to me. Like if you, in a blind test, if you would give me this beer, I wouldn't. I may not be able to recognize it as an IPA. Uh, just, just speaking honestly, um, which is probably not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I definitely get the dry finish, and um, it's very crisp. Um, but yeah, like um, it, and it's a collab with Miller High Life. You were saying? Yep. So, so they use the Miller High Life hops, okay, and technique to brew this beer. In addition to what Terrapin does on its own. At least that's what I gathered from it. And it's... Oh, hold on. We got some technical difficulties. We're going to figure that out. And we're back. We had to do a sound check real quick because there are some (laughs) technical difficulties. But hopefully we got this figured out and we're still learning as we go. Anywhere where I was at was um, earlier today, NFL Network did a short video about uh, top red zone targets. Mm-hmm. And the, the the names were pretty interesting. And I'd say, like, if you had to ask most NFL fans 
Um, this would probably be amongst the top 10 that you got. And Nabil, I'll just run through this list real quick. There's only one player from our respective teams on here. Surprise, surprise. Um, you, you know, you'll be able to guess who it is, I'm sure. But we got Mike Williams, Eric Ebron, Jimmy Graham, DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown, Travis Kelsey, Michael Thomas, and Julio Jones. Um, Which... So I'm just a little surprised that Julio is on the list. Not not because he's not an elite wide receiver, but over the past few years, he's not a, the touchdown machine people think he should be. Well, and, and I don't disagree with that. And I think part of it, too, is, well, we all know the, the troubles that the Falcons um, offense had last year with mm-hmm. the play calling and stuff like that. Right. And so that's a big factor. One, you know, it's interesting about the video that I'm referring to is when they started talking about Julio Jones, they are showing Calvin Ridley highlights. And so I think part of what they're saying is that Julio Jones is such a big draw in the red zone that he makes it possible for other guys, even rookies, so to get I, looks. I don't know. I, I don't think – so not anything against NFL Network, but I don't think NFL Network is, does stuff like that. I feel like NFL Network is always one or two years behind the trend. Mm-hmm. I remember when they first started their top 100 players in the NFL – that's the year where Do- Donovan McNabb got benched on the Redskins, but he was the 100 best player in football. And I feel like they're kind of just going with the big name. Um, and, and, and another name that surprises over here is Jimmy Graham. Yes, I Jimmy agree Graham with that. should not be on this list. Right. No, I so, agree. So, uh, again, I'm not saying Julio should not be on this list, but what I'm saying is one, he shouldn't be number one. Right. Two, I like the number one person on this list that I think is a red zone threat is DeAndre Hopkins. Right. I was going to go with either Hopkins or Adams, and I would say probably right. Hopkins and then Adams and, and, or 1A, 1B. And I feel hybrid. like Eric Ebron led the league in red zone touchdowns last year, So and he's number five. Right. So And, and Mike Williams really only came on strong in the second half yeah. of last year as so, it is. So, the, so, so to, to me, this list is garbage. Right, and I'm not saying that it's a perfect list. I'm just saying Julio's name came up on it, and because we were a show about the Falcons and the Bears – I had to say something. But here's something I get a little bit more expertise about. All right. Because not so much handling technical difficulties, although I think we did a pretty good job of that. Uh, I think I was horrible. You were great. I was horrible. Um, is And we got, we're got we at 26 minutes, so we'll make this quick. NBA Finals. Oh, snap. Finals. Now, I am going to say I am shocked with the, I am shocked with the way um, Toronto has been playing. Um, I did not think they were going to be playing like this. And I actually think they have a chance to push this to seven games. I would love to see a seven-game series just because so far it's been pretty good. Right. Um, I wouldn't say it's been like super entertaining or compelling, but the fact that it's been competitive is enough for me. And um, I, I think news came out today that um, the one player on Golden State, Looney, is out for the series. Looney? Yeah, Looney. He, remember, he I, I believe he was the guy who knocked down those two key three-pointers at the end of end of game I know two. the name. Yeah. I know the name, and I'm sure I saw the plays because I've watched pretty much every single play yeah. of both games so I far. I believe it's like, – I we will a say producer, the news, We can check it out, but we don't have a producer today. The but I'll news look it up. that came out today that really surprised me is Kevin Durant is out for game three, mm-hmm. which this episode will be out before game three happens tomorrow yeah. night. Um, so just to update, Clay Thompson is uh, questionable for Game Three. Okay. Looney, so that is a name. Kevon, Kevin? No, it's Kevon. K E V O N. Kevon, Kevon, Kevon. Uh, Kevon Looney is out for indefinitely. And um, yeah, um, you're right about Kevin Durant. 
he may not be back to game four if he's back. Um, but yeah, and of course, I think that helps Toronto's case to make it a seven game series. No I mean, so, so right now, Toronto needs to win game three. If if um, yeah. Thompson's out, Looney's out, Duran is out, you know, it's just going to be um, uh, staff, which is which is crazy because Toronto almost won game two had they just not gone completely dry from the field and made one shot in the final like eight minutes or something like that. It's so crazy. I have to ask a real question. Like, do we not know how good Kawhi Leonard is? Yeah, that's a really good question. The thing about Kawhi Leonard for me is I feel like he didn't play that great in game two. Uh, He was like eight for 20 from the field. So, yeah, sure, he had the points and the other stats, but he was eight for 20 from the field. And I think in the playoffs, specifically in the finals and the championship moments, that's when you have to really shine offensively. Like, Uh for example, Steph Curry had 34 points in game one. Right. Um, And so I don't think we know how good Kawhi Leonard is, although I will say that he is the one who ultimately let Toronto down down the stretch because they could have won game two had they just made a couple of shots and taken better shots. And I think it's Kawhi's job to facilitate that and make that happen. And he did neither of those things. Now they're all they're in great shape. I mean they're you know win one going on the road to and, pl- possibly win another game with. A and lesson you know what? I'm gonna Warriors. call it. They're gonna win game three. They're winning. They're gonna win game three. Toronto will win game three. I think Toronto will win Game Four, but not Game Three. I think, I think the Warriors have too much momentum right now, to you know going back home, winning a game that they shouldn't have won, um, and now you're back home. Mm-hmm. I think I think the Warriors are going to win Game Three, and I mean if they win Game Three, why wouldn't they win Game Four? But again, Toronto well, surprised well, everybody thus well, far. Well, well, hey, let's say Clay Thompson's out Game Three. Mm-hmm. That's a huge win for, for Toronto. Yeah, no now, doubt. Game Four, I would assume Clay Thompson is back. Apparently, Kevin Durant may be back. Now, Kevin Durant coming back could actually be more harm than good at that point, but who knows? But Game Three, if Clay Thompson is out, Looney's out. Your Demarcus Cousins is oh, still up I and agree. down. I mean, I think Toronto had his best chance to win Game Two. Oh yeah, they, I believe they should have won Game Two. They should have won that. That what was it? A fourteen zero run to start? Mm-hmm. What was it? A fourth quarter, I believe. For for Golden State, yeah, it's like yeah, fourteen, maybe twelve, maybe sixteen. Some I think it was like there was some number in the teens. But they, yeah, I mean Golden State though did prove why they've won the last two championships and, and not, have been there. But see, not even that. Like near the end of the game, I think they went. The, both teams went three minutes without scoring near the end. Yeah, and 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 they scored on free throws. It was the right. weirdest end of the game. I've Which seen. is why I said. It's not been the most entertaining series in the sense of like, oh, man, this play, this play, but it's just been competitive. Um, And so, yeah, I think Toronto – I mean, I think I got to stick with the original prediction that I had, which is Warriors in five. Um, And the only way to make that happen is obviously the Warriors got to win out. So just for the sake of staying true to my word for you listeners, I'm going to go with the Warriors still winning in five games. So um, I think I had the Warriors sweeping. I'm not sure. I may have had the Warriors sweeping. I'm pretty sure you had them in five, too. At five. Well, you know what? I'm throwing throwing that out. I got Toronto in seven. All right. Is that it? Toronto in seven. Oh, all right. We got a couple more minutes or one more. You've been watching Stanley Cup at all? So, unfortunately, I have not, but I should have been. But I did see that um, I believe we're tied up now. I yeah, believe 2-2. Uh, two, two. Best of three now. There we go. There we go. Um, you know when I, you know in what scenario I may have been watching the Stanley Cup? If when the, you were saving hockey? If Stanley Cup would have started in a month from now, how it should be, 
Hashtag Nab Saints Hockey. Have, yep, exactly. I can't even re, I can't even say that word. Um, but yeah, I believe that. Um, wow, that was that sounded weird. Um, hockey should start a week from now. hockey playoffs should start a week from this um, after after a week from today. Although, and to argue that point real quick, I'll just Go say ahead. the benefit of having the Stanley Cup right now is we've had alternating days. So I've had NBA Finals games, and I've had Stanley Cup, and I've had NBA Finals, and I've had Stanley Cup. I don't think tonight we don't have anything, but tomorrow we've got the NBA Finals. We might have the Stanley Cup too, which is awesome. Um, so, but just uh, saying, yeah. just saying. Uh, and I know you're not going to appreciate it maybe in the bill, although I'm going to convince you. We got Women's World Cup soccer starting in like three days from now. Okay. So that's going to help for the last, we got two months until football season. And at least one month is going to be taken away with soccer, with great soccer. So I'm all about it. So can I make a complaint before we end? Please. Why the, Why is like the NBA spacing out each game like a week or a month in between each game? Like what is going on over here? Um, like, like I understand one day in between or maybe two days for a travel, but three days? No, I, I mean, hey, man. Three days? And 9 p.m. start time. 9 p.m. I don't it's mind. It's not like I have to go to no, bed. No, no I, I don't mind work. the 9 p.m. I understand you got to get the West Coast crowd. I, that's, I'm completely fine with that. But three days in between? Yeah. Hey, man. Well, I would say in this case with Toronto to go and say, which we're going to look up that flight and talk about it on Twitter for real. But, I mean, it's it's enough of a travel day to have one travel day and then right. two days off. And right. Then the the, the first game. game was Thursday, right? Yep. The second game should have been Saturday. Hey, man. But they did change it this year, so now that Game 4 is going to be on Friday night, which wasn't always the case. All right. They started doing that last year. Anyway. At Bears, Birds, and Brews. Thank, thank you, Terrapin. You. Yeah, thank you for listening. We'll see you on social media. Good and- night. <laughs> <laughs>